Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. Uh, this is a bonus episode where we are talking about a little film called The Dry, which we caught at the 2021 SF Film Festival. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a streaming platform near you. Um, this week, of course, we're talking about two films that we caught at the SF Film Festival. And... Uh, yeah, um, you know, I started the last episode off with a wild card question for you. Um, so, Stephen, this time I just want to say, like, what what was your experience uh, with this festival and getting everything going? I mean, it, it was very easy. I mean, I I didn't I didn't even know the festival was happening for real until maybe like the day before it happened, um, <laughs> and I I grabbed my pass. Um, these movies at least one of them probably was naked singularity was like time boxed. So it had a more limited window, but yeah. I just decided to ignore the window. Look, if, if I'm meant to see it, I'm going to see it. If I'm not, I'm not. And <laughs> it, it was great. It was really convenient. I, I was on the iPad in the browser. I know they had an Apple TV app too, but I felt like an app for two movies. It just like, wasn't quite worth it to me to download it. Um, <laughs> But it, it was super easy. Like I, I logged in. It, basically, the links you sent me, I clicked them, and when I logged in, they immediately went to a thing with a play button, and it was like nothing to do. Cast to the screen. It was great. Yeah. My only mild frustration is I think the closed captioning is on the iPad, but it doesn't broadcast that when you airplay to the apple tv because yeah, i tried yeah. to turn on subtitles um for i think it was yeah for, for this movie i tried to turn them on just because it was like in case i'm missing anything with the australian accents um <laughs> and when i turned on closed captioning nothing happened even though the movie had like made a point at the beginning of talking about how the sf film festival was like accessible and had made it a priority so it, it seemed like they didn't figure out the uh, the airplay part of that but yeah small small point otherwise very relaxed festival i caught both of these movies on saturday in the morning um didn't really feel like a rush or anything it was just a good convenient time to do it um and yeah i kind of wish they'd had a bunch of things because having it be on the weekend and be an extended period of time and the window not being so limited it it made it nice it was just kind of like hey there are two movies to rent this weekend like it, yeah. it was way more low-key yeah, yeah, and it was way more low priced <laughs> than the other mm -hmm. festivals. I mean, it's it's a it's a, it's a much smaller selection than what we've seen at the other festivals. Um, but I mean, that's usually the case um, for the SF Film Festival. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was you know I I booked I booked my pass when they sent the like preview email a long time ago before they even like listed what the films were going to be, and like it was so cheap that it was kind of like when it came time to. For the festival to start it was like uh okay i recognize him recognize him call yeah. it a day <laughs> yeah um, it was a little less cheap when i booked it but and i knew it was only two movies but still it's like it's fine it's premium streaming if it were on yeah. disney plus it would have cost me ten dollars more probably and um, it's still i think it's still going on so like you could yeah. dip in and kind of check out some other stuff yeah, um, and they, they do like i think they're playing language lessons tomorrow so like they are getting some uh crossover from like south by southwest and sundance like some yeah. movies are coming there so it, are they doing nice. language lessons streaming or is it only at the drive the drive-in theater i don't know i know there was a q a streaming uh, about language lessons and i didn't see if the movie itself was also streaming or not gotcha 
Yeah, I saw I, that Natalie Morales was going to be talking about language lessons, and I was like, if if she's doing that, they better be showing the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I definitely saw you can book tickets to do the drive-in version, but I just didn't know if it was only drive-in or streaming as well. But who knows? We're not here to talk about language lessons. We already did that in our big old review right. of the whole festival. Um, this this is time, accent lessons. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> If only people knew mm. how much recording of us just trying to do an Australian accent there is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so what do you say, Stephen, we get into this review of The Dry? Let's do it. All right. This film does, in fact, have a trailer because this is scheduled to be released in May. Um, so we're going to go ahead and take a listen to the trailer for The Dry, and then we're going to come back and give you a review. Gretchen. It's all over town that you're reopening the investigation. Luke drove to his house at 4.30, killed his family, and headed here to kill himself. You're convinced he did it. What do you think? I'm an old mate of Luke's, actually. You lied back then, Aaron. Luke lied as well. The day that poor girl drowned. Emily? I've heard some stories about me. I've heard some. You can have personal history with the girl who died in a river 20 years ago. There's a connection between the deaths. It's pigs. This has got nothing to do with me. Grant. Don't say my name like your name. You don't know me. Jamie Sullivan. He's lying. He wasn't with his nan. You think you're going to get the truth in a town like this? When you've been lying about something for this so long. It becomes second nature. Where were you that afternoon? Why would I lie? Because Luke asked you to. Sometimes when this place feels kind of empty. Did you have anything to do with that girl's death? None of the bright things of the life. People, remember what you did. Uh, so that was the trailer for The Dry. Um, it is basically about a man um, who has uh, been away from home for a long time, um, back, you know, living in the city. He's a big policeman, detective guy, and he comes back home to a small town in Australia um, for a funeral. And while there, you know, some of the family members of the person who died um, asks him to look into what's happened. And sort of as he jumps in to look at that, it drudges up some stuff from his past. And it's sort of the story about him trying to solve what happened for real in this situation and uh, try to maybe get some closure about an event that happened to him when he was a kid. Uh, Stephen Miller, before you jump into your review, I just have a quick question for you. It just that came up. I know you probably only had the audio for that trailer while we were going. Um, do you remember anything being weird from your stream? Because this trailer that I just watched locally on my machine um, straight up looked like it had motion smoothing like baked into it. And I don't remember mm. the film itself having that, you know, like that, 
that look. <laughs> you know the look. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I thought the movie looked good. I definitely didn't feel like it had any kind of strange thing baked into it. Okay. Yeah, because I, I remember it looking totally fine when I watched it as well. Um, I did only watch it on an iPad, um, but but, um, but it definitely at seemed... least have the decency to then airplay it to to your Apple TV, <laughs> so the quality is strictly worse. Well, I was watching it during the day, and like you know, the projector like just you know mm. was didn't yeah. didn't want to have to deal with it. But uh, but anyways, enough random questions. Uh, Stephen Miller, what did you think of the draw? I thought the draw was a surprisingly good kind of slow burning mystery it's like a i i feel like it is a genre unto itself but i can't think of any other movie that falls into it where it is like unpacking a mystery about the past and the present at the same time like the kind of parallel timelines and parallel reveals that it gives um I, I'm going to be honest. I was not expecting much of anything from this movie. Like, I don't think I even looked at what it was. It was just the second link that you had <laughs> handed me. And I was like, okay, I've got another couple hours. I'll, I'll click that other link. Um, and yeah, I feel like it, it, it just builds its somber like tone really well. I, I think it, it, it is all about this tiny town where everyone knows everybody and it's very few people and it's like economically distressed and, you know, it, the town's not in great shape. And it just builds this kind of really, it, it almost reminded me of the town in Hot Fuzz, like where, where it's like <laughs> something is amiss here and I don't know what it is yet, but I can't trust anyone. Um, yeah. And it like, it, it really did a good job of that, I think. And it, I don't know. It had it had this kind of like adult crime drama, like a, another movie that had flashbacks that I thought of was The Fugitive um, of, of just like something really terrible has happened. And this movie is presenting the terrible thing. And then it is giving you a kind of like, let's follow along and see if we can unpack why the terrible thing occurred. Uh, but this doubles down on it because there's the present day terrible thing and the terrible thing from decades ago. Um, I thought it... I don't like, like it, it lagged a bit in places, but for the most part, I thought it was just like a good meaty, enjoyable drama um, that keeps the twists coming. Like it, it very cleverly does some things with the past narrative to lead you into different kind of ethical rabbit holes of like, Ooh, what might have actually happened? What is he going to have to grapple with? What is going on? And it, I, I think it really does a good job of kind of keeping you on your toes until the very end. And then I, I think the pace is just fantastic. Basically it like it goes out in exactly the right pace. And then the slow burn is kind of worth it for this final buildup. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just thought it was like, it was a really well done, like straightforward, but moody Australian crime drama. And I thought like the flashbacks were eerie and appropriately sad and the, the present day town, you definitely got this sense of a guy who has outgrown his past and like doesn't want to have to come back and reckon with it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't have a whole lot to say about it, except that I, I thought it worked just extremely well. I, I was way more hooked than I was expecting to be. Yeah, I, I think the overall journey of this film is very entertaining. I think it's, it's, a, it's a solidly plotted um, thriller that sort of pulls you along and really makes you like, dive in and be curious and yeah that split narrative of like having flashbacks to the past and trying to remember what happened like coming into a town which you 
you know, escaped from or left or fled or whatever a long time ago and trying to reintegrate yourself when everyone in that town knows something about something related to your past and trying to right. navigate being that person who shows up, the, the big guy from the city who shows up and then kind of starts kind of like, you know, kicking over rocks or whatever, um, lifting up rocks, whatever the expression is, um, trying to find what's going on in the city. And like, yeah, nobody, nobody trusts you um, for various reasons. <laughs> One, you're sort of an outsider. And two, everyone has an idea of something that happened in the past that is tangentially related to you. And so there's, there's a lot of mistrust there. And, and I think that like along the ride, I was really, really vibing on this film. Like I was kind of like, okay, this is, this is great. Like I really, really like this. I'm really, really curious. I want to know what happened. I like, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm really, really into it. I think for me, um, the reveals don't work so well for me. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, I think that this film, I, I think not, not style wise, but I think, um, expectation versus reality wise, I would compare this to say something like true detective, where like mm. you're watching this thing and the eventual reveal of what the supposed truth is, um, is never going to be as satisfying as what the journey to get there was. And right. th this film is, you know, it, it, it's, it's a very subdued film. Like it's not stylish, right? This isn't gone girl right. where it's like yeah. really, really stylish. And there's this mystery. This is just the mystery the, the character is very, very calm and collected. He kind of just walks from building to building and talks to people and then asks questions. And sometimes he gets a little heated. But for the most part, he's just a quiet guy who knows everybody in the town hates him <laughs> and just wants to get like doesn't even want to be there. He just wants to get over with the stuff that he's trying to investigate and, and be done and then leave. And I think that like all that I am totally on board for. I hate the ending of this film so much. Um, and I, oh, man, I, I liked it. We'll, we'll get into it in spoilers. We can, we can, yeah, we'll definitely talk about it in, expo in spoilers. I will say there are theoretically two things that this person is trying to solve. Um, and one of the things he, I would argue, does not solve. He makes an assumption based on one piece of evidence and extrapolates the rest of it. And I think you can't fucking show me the thing that you're extrapolating if you are making a leap based on finding a thing, right? Like there is no, he had like if the whole thing is I need to find the proof, then find the proof. Don't just find a thing that says like, oh, I bet this is what happened and then go like, and then en envision it for the audience where you see a person reacting to this truth that the audience it was revealed to. Like, I really just, I was like, no, you don't know that, that, that that's what happened. Like, you have no idea that that's what that's, that is what happened. So it, it just, like, there are, there are aspects to that. Like, I really hated that, that, that framing of, of, of the reveal. And then, you know, to me, just the, you know, truth isn't always stranger than fiction. <laughs> if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. I will say, and we'll talk about it in the spoilers, but so I watched both of these by myself in headphones, but definitely very early in the movie, I called my shot on, like, I didn't know what the ultimate reveal would be but i at least knew th what the pivotal clue would be and we'll, and we'll talk about it but i felt kind of proud about that when it when it came to in the end i didn't know how it would actually relate to the movie but i was like i bet i know what this is doing yeah. um but yeah like like is, i felt fine is with... it about a receipt <laughs> yes yeah exactly okay. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I felt fine. I, I thought the timing of showing what really happened was like pretty well placed in the ending. So we'll have to get into it in spoilers, I, th- I think. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I liked, I, I really just like the haunted look at the past. Like every time it cut back to like a few decades ago, showing those kids on that fateful day, yeah. I thought it was just really, really interesting and appropriately moody. And it, like we're calling it a mystery because that that is kind of in a very slow scale how it plays. But this, I don't want to talk about it because I don't want to spoil it too much. But this movie could have not been a mystery. Like like it was the kind of thing where it could have been whatever it wanted to be. And I feel like it has that kind of somber melancholy tone that just is a good vibe for a while. And whatever he learns, whatever he decides, whatever we learn as the audience will make it worth it in the end. Um, and then to be surprised by kind of a satisfying mystery was like a cherry on top for me because I, I would have been fine if it just completely fizzled. Yeah, but it, it's just really hard to talk about it without talking about what the twists are because I don't even want to give away what tone it ends on. <laughs> um, yeah, so should we just get to verdicts then? Sure. Cool. Stephen Miller, if you're going to give us a must-see, record with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or must avoid, what would you give it? Uh, this is another recommend with a caveat for me. I, I, I quite enjoyed it, but I do think it was pretty small. It definitely got a little bit of the festival bump. And even at like just under two hours, I definitely had a period in the middle where I was like, okay, we can hurry things along. I kind of get what's going on. Um, so I don't feel like it is a perfect movie, but I just, I, I feel like I've used this phrase a few times lately of just like a good adult drama, like like a movie that is just meant to be like a, satisfying and dramatic without being super big and showy or being very funny or anything just being like hey you can you can sit in this vibe for two hours like we trust the audience to do it and i just felt like this delivered on that patience in a way that i want to see more movies that play with this i feel like it's been a while yep um for me i'm gonna leave it at a wait for rental um like i said i if if the ending was slightly different in any way, um, <laughs> I think I might have, uh, I, I might have like, I, I, I for sure would have bumped it up. Like I, I really enjoyed this film. And I think for me, the, the journey wasn't worth the destination, I guess. Mm. Like when I got to this destination, I was just kind of like, you know what? No, I don't accept it. <laughs> um, and yeah, I like, we'll, we'll get into it explorers, but I, but I think for me, it gets lessened simply because of where it ended up and specifically how one of the two things that it's trying to to reveal to you gets divvied out and the specific quote um that that makes him make that leap um i I just found that incredibly frustrating and i was like no you don't get to just like cheat it at the end because it's been two hours but uh Hmm. the face you're making makes me really curious yeah okay well we'll talk about it okay but yeah, that is uh, the non-spoiler part of our review of The Draw. Um, so for now, <laughs> Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? Uh, people can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episode goes live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning, facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning, or instagram.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the little jingle that 
played before um, all of the uh, films that we watched. Um, so hopefully you're enjoying that. That's going to fade up. And then when it fades back out, we will be in full-blown spoilers. So watch out because it's about to get dry. All right, we are back. This is spoiler territory. It's the after part of our review of the draw, and uh, <laughs> it never gets old. Um, <laughs> never. And uh, yeah, so we're talking spoilers for the film. Is there anything you want to jump in before I get I get into my to my spiel, Stephen? Well, well, yeah. So one thing I want to say that I really appreciated about what this movie did in terms of toying with your expectation is it really felt like there is a version of this movie where there is nothing to unpack in the modern day where Luke did indeed kill his family and then himself. And the flashback hints at the fact that all along Eric Bana has been lying about where he was on that day because he was trying to protect himself. But by doing, by engaging in that lie, he may have actually been giving an alibi to Luke who may have actually done the killing. Like, like I feel like the movie, at least for me, it definitely made me want to believe that that could have happened for a while. And I thought that was a really interesting ethical issue that it, that it raised was like, how much do you defend a friend? What does it feel like to realize that your friend may have not been everything you thought he was and to realize that you were complicit, that like this thing that you've been holding on, this lie that you've kept up to protect yourself may actually have been hindering the important investigation into what happened. And I yeah. I thought this movie could have totally been just that. It could have been him kind of like State Like Sleep did, which is like a reference that you are probably the only person who will know <laughs> what I mean. Um, where like, it totally could have been a person like processing a trauma by searching for a mystery where there is no mystery, you know? Yeah. Um, and I would have bought that a hundred percent and thought it was like really well done. And then the way it like plays with that and it plays with him coming to grips with his past and you kind of get a bit of that feeling of him, he did overreach. He did make assumptions that he shouldn't have. But then also he gets to actually solve the crime. Like to, to me, it just played with those levers perfectly. And it like it toyed with me in a way where even though I knew Grant was probably a homonym for a school related grant, I didn't know why that would matter yet. But I assumed that that's what was going to happen. Um, I still was completely surprised by the ending. And I felt like it justified it at the same time. Um so yeah, I was I was pretty into it. I think from some things you said in toward the end, the ending that you dislike was the story of what happened to Ellie and not necessarily the story of what happened to Luke's family. It so it's both, but it's mm. the one that actually makes me angry is the story of what happened to Ellie. Um okay. because I mean do we just want to jump there? Yeah, yeah, sure. So uh, Eric Bana goes to the, the rock that they used to all hang out on, who, which is right next to the river um, at which her body was found on the day that he wrote her a note that said, hey, come to the river and meet me. Here's my name. So when the police find this note in your pocket, 
they'll think I'm a suspect. <laughs> um, yep. And he finds her backpack, which conveniently enough contains her journal. And he starts to read through her journal and realizes the abuse that she was suffering um, like every day of her life. And just sort of like the reason why she had trouble trusting people and didn't like interacting with other people and had all these things that he seemed to think was weird when he was younger was because of the home life that she had that no one that people suspected, but didn't really talk about openly and didn't really talk with her about. And um, basically in the last page of her journal, she says, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to escape. Uh, one day, my dad told me that if I tried to run away, he'll kill me. And Eric Mana right. goes like, oh, shit, it was the dad. And then it cuts to a picture of the dad making a face like he knows that the audience knows that he's the one that killed his daughter, um, which is it's 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 like the ending of of uh, Florida project, right? Where it's like, it's, it's a, it's a made up thing just for the audience, right? Like there's, there's no mm. person who went sure. and the dad, like it, it's just purely for you. And, uh, um, it, what I hate about that scene is that her, her backpack was hidden in the rocks. So when the dad showed up to the lake, which she goes to every day to play with her friends, there is no reason why he should have suspected that she ran away. Right. Like, it's just, he, he's like, she's not in the house. Fuck it. She's probably running away. And he tries to track her down. Right. Oh, see, I, I thought the movie made it clear that like she had like packed up her belongings and there'd been a confrontation and she bolted. Like, I, I, I didn't see it as like, oh, he just kind of guessed that she was running away. Like I mean, when he and Grant get in the car, it's clearly like she's run away. Let's get her. Yeah, it's clearly like that for the audience. I don't think the evidence is there. Like, there's no way she hasn't bolted out of the house other times when things have happened, right? Like, she has just a backpack. A backpack which she carries to school every day. A backpack which she probably takes around a lot of different places. All her belongings are not, like, five... Like, it's not like she was, like, walking down the trail and she had a bunch of suitcases and was like, Oh my God, I'm caught! Right? He just he immediately... And also, we don't see, like, the confrontation, right? Like... Right. There, there could have been a chance where he just grabs her and then drags her back into the car and takes her back home, right? Why does he specifically have to drown her in the river? It's basically, she says, at one point in time, my dad said, he'll kill me if I try to leave. Um, but her mom got away, right? Like, so it's, it's like, we're, we're just supposed to go like, okay, cool. That solves everything. Like, in a court of law, that's not enough without a reasonable doubt, right? Like, that, that there... Oh, sure, yeah. I, I don't think... I don't think the movie wants you to believe that Eric Bana is going to leave that area and then like prove that the dad did it. I think it's like a, like a terrible thing that happened for the audience to wrestle with and for him to have finally had some inner understanding of, of what went down. Yeah. And I, like I, the, I just, the fact that her father is an abusive asshole is like kind of the missing piece that lets him know what, know enough to have closure in it but like earlier in the film he confronts the father and says what was your part in it like he, he like he's already basically said you're an abusive asshole even though he doesn't know the actual details of it like he gets the gory details from the journal but he kind of already knew he was a shitty human being beforehand so like to me it, it's 
the scene is theoretically about closure, right? Like we've closed, we've got closure for the current day thing. And then the film wants to give us closure for the childhood thing. But I don't think that's enough. Like you would still be tormented by that if you were like, oh, well, it was probably the dad. But like now he just has a different, like it's basically, I don't want to spoil another movie, but let's just say that like, Mm. let's just say that, uh, you know, if you're trying to fill out who killed your wife, just because you have a new person to go after doesn't mean that that's the actual person who killed your wife, right? Sure. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that was ambiguous enough to which movie I'm talking about. Um, but but I, yeah. I am too busy thinking about a movie about someone killing the wife that I explicitly referenced earlier in in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so 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 to me, it, it just. It, it was frustrating that like it tried to present that as closure, even though like you didn't give us def- definitive information. Like you have definitive information about the current modern day thing, but the the thing in the past, which for Eric Bana is like really honestly the most important thing to him, right? Like his his sort of old friend who was kind of a dick a lot of the time to him and to girls and to a lot of different people. Like he's sad about what happened, but also like he's sort of just fine with the explanation that it was a murder suicide we'll call it a day. Right. Like he's, he's kind of as a favor for other people starting to investigate all this stuff. What he's really trying to find out is whether his friend ex friend also did this other killing. As you mentioned, like it's sort of like a, how do I just dissect the person in real time to figure out if they're the person I always feared they might be in the past. Um, Right. And then when, when, when he gets his closure, it just doesn't feel like it was earned. Like, it feels like, no, you kind of cheated that last step to get the secondary closure, which was what your real goal was the whole reason for coming back in the first place. Um, so it, it just kind of, to me, that was sort of, that was sort of frustrating. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think his explicit goal in coming back was that because I think the movie is a lot about the parallel between the two things yeah. where the parallel at the beginning with both of them is how did I not see this? coming right because the at the beginning the belief is that these are both suicides right and and then it's kind of this shared question of like what should i have done how could i have known could i have prevented this did i not listen enough should i pick up the phone that one time and so there's kind of some parallel closure in solving the today thing and then understanding that in the like my summary for the past is that he learned that life for everyone is like infinitely more complicated than whatever you project onto them by like your relationship to them. And that is kind of his closure. It isn't necessarily, I solved the case. It's the father. We're going to lock him up. It's like, it's enough. And like, I think honestly the movie could have been, it could have left that last part to the imagination. It could have just had him find the diary and read a few things. And then like, he's like starting to process and then it ends like you could have done a lot of stuff with it. But I feel like at that point, that is more just a cap on the like everyone is kind of struggling with things and miserable here. And there's like deep wells of sadness that you are not responsible for on your own. And that, that, that to me was the kind of takeaway. And it reminded me a lot of, did you ever watch the Denis Villeneuve movie? Uh, I'm sure I'm going to mispronounce it, but I think it's pronounced like, on Sandy, it looks like Incendies is the way it's written. Uh-huh. Um, it that is a movie that has like a big mystery and then a big kind of like sad, devastating reveal at the end. That is fun- like functionally, it's very different. But I feel like the way it plays of the kind of like 
it is about the sadness and what it represents more than about like having cracked the code. Um, it, it similar vibes. Like I, I had a kind of similar feeling here where okay. I, I didn't, I didn't feel like, Oh, I cracked it. We should have figured that out before. It was just like, okay, this is like the, the sad coda of this place that he's leaving because he's moving on with his life now and everyone, you know, things are more complicated than you expect. Yeah. Um, so transitioning over to like the main reveal of the story, mm -hmm. um, also found very, very frustrating, um, because this film is nothing but red herrings. Like it is sure the entire film is let's just try to misdirect you. And then in the end, there is literally nothing you have seen so far, except for the sounds of, uh, slot machines that, even allows for this other plot to exist, right? Like if you, if you edited, like if you went back and you edited the film and you took every shot of inside the bar and you like put in a wall, um, like where you didn't see the slot machines. Right. And yeah, just, just pretend like you edited out the slot machines from this film and everything was exactly the same. You'd be like, where the fuck did that come from? Like, there'd be no reason for you to go like, oh, the school teacher has a gambling problem and embezzled money well, from the grants. The story about the mugging and stuff. I feel like there are some, there are some breadcrumbs that are, that are handed there over like problems that this guy and his wife are having and having to leave town because like it was a bad scene and stuff like that like like i'm not saying anyone could have been like oh i bet he's the one that did it because he has a problem but yeah i do think there are breadcrumbs that are put there like he he has a like an energy where he's like let me whisk you away from the scene and whisk you away from the fight that's happening and take you somewhere else that when you play back the tape later is like, Oh, this guy was actually like trying to be close to me to steer me away from learning more rather than, you know, to like this guy was posing as being like a, a helpful voice when really he was kind of steering me in a very specific way. Yeah. Like I, I kind of thought it, it gave you as many breadcrumbs as any mystery like this would give you which is like just enough to think back later and be like, oh, interesting, that character, but not enough to be like mad that you didn't come up with it. Yeah, I, I just, to me, it felt like why spend all this time with these other stories? And especially like this teacher has nothing to do with the original girl back in time. So it's like, so it's basically like you spend all this time and it's like, and then it still brings into question, like the friend was a shitty dude, but he he like literally broke, in, broke into his house to tell him like, hey, say we were hunting rabbits together um, just because he was actually a good dude who was trying to help out his buddy. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just, it just makes scenes like that seem like such a ridiculous, like red herring. Like it, it's, it's just like a complete misdirect where you're like, I'm going to spend a lot of time pointing at this rock. And in the end, I'd be like, no, it was a desert. It was just sand. <laughs> <laughs> like it just to me it, yeah, it felt I like I, I thought the luke the luke misdirect was well done because i think eric, eric banna has like his life now is solving crimes and like they don't need to make it explicit that like part of that is like penance or whatever like he's trying to like right this wrong that happened in his past yeah um 
And I think one thing that he has been holding on to is this whole time he is hated in this town because they blame him for a murder he didn't commit. But he doesn't get to have fully righteous anger because part of the reason they blame him is he was lying about an alibi and he has been holding on to this lie for years, right? Like Luke's dad, the message he sent him is like, you lied, Luke lied, I need to see you, right? Um, yeah. Something like that. And I think there's enough like moral complicity there where like him holding on to the fact that he lied and should have just come clean at the beginning makes it so like being worried about whether Luke was the killer is part of it, but also like, it's just like these two kids lied and that kept the truth from coming out. Like I, I feel like there were enough layers where it could have gone in a lot of different directions, not in a like red herring way, but in a like, the nature of truth and like what what is the damage done by trying to cover your own ass and how long can that damage reverberate and how can you like defend yourself to like the tearful father or the brother when you also know your defense is based on a lie that after decades you still have to keep making um i, I, don't know, I, I, I thought it was interesting i i, I guess for from for me what so the only reason for him to keep the lie is to protect Luke. It's not to protect himself because like he, on some level, he fears that Luke did actually kill, kill her and he is keeping the secret for him. So like if he would have said like, yeah, I thought she was hot and I invited her to swim in the lake with me and then she never showed up. Like there's no evidence other than a note that he wrote. And if he just says like, yeah, that's what you do. You pass notes to girls that you like, and you try to get them to come hang out with you. And she never showed up. And then so, dang, what am I going to do? Right? Like, are, are you talking about him in present day or him when he left? Because I think him when he left was terrified that the murder was going to be blamed on him. I, 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 think, I think he took Luke's alibi at face value. I, I, to me, I, I interpreted it as he always wondered if Luke was capable of it. And he was keeping Luke's secret. Like, I think when, when Luke first showed up and said, like, hey, they're going to do this, he was like, oh, shit. And he's like, yeah, lie for me. And he's like, uh, okay. But the reason why once they had, like, his note and shit like that, why he kept doing the lie is I think he realized that, like, oh, shit, like, is this something that Luke could have done? So, to me, mm. there is an interesting tragedy of, like, he can't correct it now because the only way to correct it now would be to throw Luke under the bus, but Luke's dead. So, now he can't actually fix it. But the film doesn't want to address that, like right? Like what what I felt like was just a little subtext is for you like very much text in the film. But like for me, yeah. I thought the the layer of like did this alibi. I felt like in hindsight he was looking back and thinking, did Luke do this? Because now that I've seen what he's capable of with his family, now can I retroactively go back and recontextualize what happened twenty years ago in that light? but not that any real part of him for years before was assuming Luke was guilty. Like I took it as he was afraid. He was afraid of the murder being pinned on him. He lied because he was scared and he left. And now that lie has been haunting him. And the reason for a while he couldn't say it is like, if you gave an alibi and then lied about it, like, you know, you're probably terrified that they're going to, Blame it. Like they're going to find a way to say that you did it. And you know, that is like a horrifying thought. And 
maybe now it's just like he's built so much on top of this lie. Like, I honestly thought he was going to come clean to Gretchen or something. I thought there was going to be a moment when he finally tells someone I wasn't there. And she kind of does it for him. So, like, yeah. the, the same thing kind of happens in the end. But, um, yeah, no, I, I thought it was more about, like, the lie and how that can erode things and you get stuck in it than it was about, like, explicitly... I did that to protect the guy that I thought might have killed this girl. Cause I don't think he would have been friends with Luke for like decades. If that was a real thing that he had been thinking might be true. I mean, he wasn't after he left, he wasn't really friends with him anymore. Right. I think they had a relationship still. Um, I don't, I don't know what sort, but it, it sounded like they were still mostly friends. Cause I mean, I mean, I mean, define mostly friends, right? Like, if, like I, I feel like yeah, he he moved he mo moved to Melbourne and like never never talked to him again right like I feel like he hasn't talked to anybody from town um, until that phone call that says like hey you have to come back into town there was a murder suicide like because because mm -hmm. to be in my head part of the drive that like because Eric's like hey this happened we know it happened it's not really worth my time to go look at it and as soon as there's one clue of something being out of whack now it's about what if he really didn't do this? And it's about him trying to prove that he isn't capable of doing it, right? So it's like, to me, it feels like he's trying to redeem Luke, even if it's just for himself to ease his conscience about what happened. Because to me, if I live in a really small town and literally every person in that town thinks I murdered somebody, it doesn't matter whether or not, like, like if you're holding on to a lie to protect you from everybody thinking you murdered somebody. If everybody already thinks you murdered somebody, there's no reason to hold on to that lie anymore. Especially if like you didn't actually do like, okay, cool. I wasn't shooting rabbits. I also didn't kill her. Right. Um, to, right. So, so to me, there has to be more, there has to be a deeper reason for why he would hold on to that lie. And it's because a person who he's slightly scared of slash looks up to slash like he can't tell whether he's cool or fearsome. Right. And, it, and to me, to me, uh, he was always keeping this lie for Luke, even though Luke proposed it as a thing that was that was like keeping him secret, which is why when the other person's alibi is that he was shooting rabbits, like he's immediately like, what the fuck? Like, that sounds like a fake excuse because right. that's the fake excuse that I used back in the day. Right. No, so. exactly. I mean, I, I think he thinks that the person who made that alibi is like toying with him or is like insinuating something. OK, gotcha. Yeah. Um, but no, like, like I hear you. I, I think psychologically that could be true. I, I just, I didn't read it as so like such a direct calculation in his head. Yeah. I, I really saw it as more like he wanted nothing to do with this town that excommunicated him and it was built on a lie that he can't run away from anymore. And I saw the desire to redeem Luke. Yes. He's trying to redeem Luke by solving the murder but I don't think he's trying to redeem him from a thing that a week before the murder, he felt like Luke needed redeeming from that. I feel like his recontextualization of what Luke was capable of all happens in this like short window and not as a thing that like high school him is feeling when he leaves town or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it depends on whether he understood why by the time he left town, why he was keeping this lie. Yeah. Also, like, why he didn't just tell his dad the truth in the car? <laughs> Especially right. when he told the truth, I didn't kill her. And then he's like, were you shooting rabbits? Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I know. But but I think that is the moment when he has to stick with the lie forever, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And I didn't see that as a loyalty to Luke so much as like what a lie does to you. You know, that, that was kind of how I read it. Yeah. Cool? Cool. <sighs> Any last thoughts about this film, Stephen? Rise of Blights. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And on that note, we will say... Whatever they say in Australia when you say goodbye. Uh, goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Good eye, mate. Welcome to the Spoiler One podcast. <laughs> We're going to talk about movies that we've seen at the festival. <laughs> Tell me, Stephen, you ever killed a girl when you were younger? <laughs> I can't. I, I can't do it. All right. Should we start the countdown over again? <laughs> no, that that's going somewhere, even if just like a little at the end. <laughs>